Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. Uh, But today I wanted to talk about something that goes all throughout, it runs all throughout the book of Proverbs. And uh, it's something that for, for us is of great importance, especially in the culture that we live in today. Because in the culture that we live in today, with the technology that we have, which I'm grateful for, like, hello to everybody who's watching us online. Uh, we couldn't do that just a couple of years ago. Uh, but one of the things that the technology has done is it has made things so that we are closer together, but in many ways it's also pulled us farther apart. That we know more about people that are in our lives, but we don't know them as much as we did, used to do. And so today what I want to talk about is friends. Friends. And, and it's interesting because we have weird usage uses for the word friend. I mean, the way that we've incorporated friend into our culture and into our language, and we use that friend, and depending on how it's used and in what context it's used, it has different meanings, right? So, so I remember when, then, when this term came up, and everybody was using it and texting it, and, and now people actually call each other their BFFs, and uh, I've just, okay, and, and, but it's somewhere in one of those Fs, there's the word friend, right? And, and the, the connotation of a BFF is, is, is different. It, it has a unique meaning in our culture today. And then, um, of course, you know, pop culture also has brought in words, and so now we have frenemies, right? They're your friends, kind of. They're the ones that, you know, you keep your friends close and you keep your frenemies closer, right? But it all comes from that root of friends. And, and, then, and then there's this word, um, girlfriend, which has exploded in the number of meanings, right? Because girls can call each other girlfriend, and then, and then some girls call each other, you know, girlfriend. You know, it's, a, it's, it's different. And, and men will sometimes will say, you know, oh, yeah, she's my girlfriend. So all of those, depending on how you pronounce it and who you are, can all be taken completely different. And so, you know, like a guy, and he's very eager, and, and he sees this girl, and he wants her to be his girlfriend, but she says, no, we're just friends, <laughs> right? And so that's not good. Whenever you hear that, whenever a guy hears that from a girl, and he says, oh, we're just friends, because basically it means you've been friend-zoned. And once you're there, you're stuck, and you're never getting out of it. It's like a black hole of friendship. So what we want to do today is we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of friends, and what does it mean, and and what is friendship? Because Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs, all throughout the entire book, talks about friendship. Talks about it to the point where if we were to ignore what he has to say about friendship, we would be foolish. That there is something about the wisdom that's in Proverbs that says that there is an importance to friendship. So we're going to start, and we're going to be jumping up around a little bit, uh, but I will put the verses that we're looking at up on the screen. And uh, this is a verse, and many of you have heard different versions of this verse, and it's Proverbs 8, or 
Proverbs 18.24, and it says this. There are friends, and I love this translation because it actually puts the word friends in quotes. And I can see the guy who's reading this or who's writing this down, and he's going, you know, there are friends, right? There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And when the interpreters wrote this, and they used that friends in in quotes, what, what they were trying to say was is that there are people who are in your life who, who might think they're your, they're your friends or who you might think are your friends, but you've chosen them indiscriminately. You haven't really filtered them out. They're, they're just, you have too many of them, and they're more of a companion than they are a friend. And you have to understand that when this was being written, this was being written in a time and in a culture that was very, very, very focused on family relationships. Family relationships in this culture was the most important thing. And here he's writing this thing and he's writing this out and he's saying that there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Is somehow better than a brother. That, that word sticks is, is often used throughout the Old Testament um, and sometimes we see it as the word cleave. Like when it talks about a, a, a husband and a wife and when they get married they cleave to each other cleave. It's a, a commitment out of passionate love. So what does this mean? What does it mean that it says a real friend sticks closer than a brother? Well, he also writes this. He says a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. So there's a friend is always loyal, but a brother is born to help in the time of need. So he's saying that there's a friend that is closer than a brother, and a brother is born to help in times of need. And what he's saying and what he's reminding us, and for those of you who have siblings in your family, you know this. When you need them, your family is going to be there for you. Right? You have a, family, you have a history with them. Uh, when our family members are in trouble, we bail them out. When they need something, we find a way to make sure that they don't just totally fall apart because they're family and so we do something and so if you have brothers unfortunately none of mine are here today nor are I know that they're not watching us online but if you have brothers here's the thing they will be there for you but they may not like you your brothers will be there for you but you may not want to hang out with them they may not be the first person that you want to call when you want to go out and watch a game or, or do something fun. So they will be there for you. See, this is what Solomon is saying. Solomon, who was the king at the time and who wrote most of what is in the book of Proverbs, he's saying, listen, a brother is going to be there for you, but it's a different relationship than when you have a friend. It's a different relationship. And it's interesting because every, other, every culture in the world places friendship as an unimportant relationship. Every culture in the world. Friendship is always the relationship that is put in the back burner. In our contemporary, current, you know, more liberal culture, we place a great amount of emphasis on romantic love, on erotic love. That's where we, as a culture, place our emphasis on. And you know this because when you're standing in line at Safeway and they don't open that third checkout stand and so you're there for a while, right? And you're, you're nonchalantly trying to not look 
at the magazines that are on the rack, but you're looking anyway, right? You never see those magazines with full-color photos of, of people, and, and it says, this is who's friends with who, right? They don't show pictures of friends. They show, this is who's sleeping with who, because culturally, that's what we're interested in. We want to know who's sleeping with who. Well, I don't want, uh, maybe, uh, no, I don't want to know. We see this in music, right? How many songs are there that hit the, hit the charts and that become really, really popular that are about friends? There are very few. But if you look at the, the number of songs that are out there that are about romantic relationships, I mean, that's practically all the music that's out there today. There was one really big, really popular book series that was all about friendship. It was the series, um, The Lord of the Rings. And if you've ever seen it, I mean, if you've ever read the books, what you know is that in those books, friendship is the main thing. Tolkien was writing about friendship. The entire series of books was about friendship. In fact, all of the romantic stuff, like, like who was interested in who and, and who ended up marrying who and all of those things, those weren't even in the books. They put all of that information in the appendix. You had to dig through the end of the book. In fact, the, the last book, the, what was the last book? The Return of the King. The Return of the King was late being published because it was at the end of the third book in the very, very back. That's where they put all the information about all of the romantic relationships that took place during the Lord of the Rings. But in the movies, when they put the movies out, the movies were all centered around the romantic relationships. Because in our culture, that's what we value. And so that's what they put out there. In an individualistic culture like ours, the most important relationship is the romantic relationship. In a more conservative, traditional culture, the, the most important relationship is the, is the family relationship. And in a more community-oriented culture, the, the most important relationship are the civic relationships, the, the relationships among neighbors that, that keep us from going to war and that keep commerce moving. So friendship has always taken a back seat because friendship is the one relationship that is not necessary for us to survive, for us to live. We need all the other relationships, but friendship is not one that, is that, requires, that we require in order to, to, to exist, right? Because without romantic love, we wouldn't exist. If your parents weren't attracted to each other at some point in history, you would not be here today. So you need romantic love because it's why we're here. You need family love because family is how we're raised. We're raised by our family. And if we didn't have a family to raise us, then we, would, we wouldn't survive through childhood. And then the civic relationships, they exist because we need to have relationships with the people who live around us. Right? We need to have relationships with the people we go to work with, the people who we do business with. So, especially in the culture we live in, where everybody is working so hard and we're all so busy, all of the other relationships push themselves on us. But the friendship relationship is the only one that doesn't. It's the only one that you actually have to seek out. It's the one that brings something unique into your life that all the rest of the relationships don't bring. You can't get it from anywhere else other than from having friends. And what Proverbs is telling us is that Fools perish 
Fools are destroyed from having a lack of friends or having poorly chosen friends. And in the culture that we're in, in the individualistic culture that we live in, what, what our tendency to say is, is that, that I am who I am because of me. And that's not true. When you were a child, you, are who, you were who you were because of your family, because your family raised you. They were the ones who guided you through childhood. But when you became an adult, you became who your friends are. There's a statistic, and I know I've said it here. I tell it to my children all the time. They are now at the age where they're telling it back to me. And it is that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And this is a study that they have done, and this is what they found. You find the five people that you spend the most time with, and you are an average of those five people. You're an a- your vocabulary level will be an average of those five people. Your income level will be an average of those five people. Your intelligence, even your morality, will become an average of those five people. And so this is, this is data that we have thousands of years later, and yet Solomon's wisdom is telling us that there's something important about having friends. He says, this was the verse that we saw, and it says, there are friends, right, friends, who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Now, here's the problem with that. I have told people in the past, I've said, you know, your problem is, is you're hanging around with the wrong people. You need to get new friends. And the thing about friendship that we learn from what Solomon tells us in Proverbs, and the thing that I think that I, I didn't really get it until I read it and I saw it, and something that I don't think we really understand because when we read Proverbs, sometimes we can easily gloss over it, is that Solomon tells us that you cannot make friends because friends aren't made. Friends are discovered. See, this is what he says. He says in Proverbs 27.9, he says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. So he's saying that there is something about friendship, about true friendship, about real friends in your life that that is sweet. It's sweet. Now, that word sweet, where it's been used in the Hebrew, is always used when it's talking about food. It's talking about something that you eat, like honey, that it's sweet. And it's saying here that friendship is as sweet It's like a sweet, delicious, yummy food. Now I'm hungry. But when this book was written, there was no such thing as sugar. Sugar hadn't been invented yet. Today, we can sweeten anything. I remember when I was living in Florida, I freaked my friends out because, you know, um, we used to sweeten beans. Like we take beans and we, we make them sweet, and they were all weirded out by that because they, for them, beans are a savory food, and us, we take beans and we mix them with milk and ice, and it's dessert, right? It totally freaks them out. Or spaghetti. My signature spaghetti recipe is sweet. My secret ingredient is grape jelly. Don't tell anybody. You can sweeten anything. And it's not just, it's not just 
um, one particular culture. There are other cultures like ham is not sweetened normally. They find a way to sweeten it. Anything with a good wet barbecue sauce, sweet and hot, mm. See, today we can make anything sweet, but in this time, when this was written, you couldn't do that. You couldn't make food sweet. And so what he's saying is, is that like sweet food at this time, sweet food, you discovered it. Like you would be going along and you'd find something. I mean, we do this today, right? You go and everybody has their own way of searching for a good melon. Some do the thump method, some rub the top and smell to see if it smells good. Everybody has their own way of trying to figure out if the melon is ripe and ready to eat and is sweet. But you never really know until you get home and slice it open and take a bite, right? You discover if something is sweet. And, and what we're being told here is that friends are the same way. That you can't just go out and say, you know what, I need to make new friends and go out and try to make friends because if you've ever done that, you know it doesn't work. Friends aren't made. Friends are discovered. They require a foundation that is based on having something in common. See, when you have a romantic relationship with somebody, you're always looking at each other and, and like, oh, I love you. And the other person is like, oh, I love you. And, and everything is just focused on each other. In a romantic relationship, that's where you're doing. You're looking at each other. But in a friend's relationship, you're not. You're side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and you guys are focused on something else. All of our good friend's relationships, we have something in common with the person who is our friend. Tim Keller, who is uh, a pastor, and uh, he planted a church that ended up being really, really large in New York City. He wrote a book on friends, he and his wife. And, and he says this, he says, what makes a friend is not, oh, do you want to be my friend? But it's you too. You think that's important too. That's a friend. Uh-oh. They bring something unique and important into your life. Friendship is something that you have to discover in someone else. And it can't be built. It can't be forced. It's something that you discover. You walk along and you run into somebody and you start talking and suddenly you realize that you have something in common and that becomes the foundation for you having friends or for you becoming friends. But once you have discovered this, once you have discovered that you have something in common, you can't just leave it alone because a friendship has to be discovered. It can't be built. But once you've discovered it, you have to build it. And so for the rest of our time together, what I want to talk about are the four things that you see in every true friendship, in every true friend. And so when you look at this, you can look at this as either a, a checklist to see if you are a true friend, or you can use it as a checklist to see if the people in your life are really your true friends, or you can use it as a guideline for when you're seeking out or, or seeing if, if someone in your life has the potential to really be a friend. And we're going to look at them, and there's four of them, and it's a friend, true friends, they're always there, they always care, they always dare, put too many S's. I was in this whole rhyming thing, and they just all started to come out. A friend, they're always there, they always care, they always dare, and they always bear. Now stick with me, because I know that seems weird. 
but we're gonna, it's going to make sense to you. So first, a true friend is always there. Remember, this is what, what uh, was in Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Now, that phrase, always loyal, is actually better translated as a friend loves at all times. In fact, there are other translations that use that phrase. A friend loves at all times. So what does that mean? Does it mean that I have to be with you 24 hours a day, seven, day, seven days a week in order for us to be friends? No, because see, he also says, don't visit your neighbors too often or you will wear out your welcome. And as soon, when you read this, all of you have in your mind that person who visits you too often and they're no longer welcome. So what is he saying? He's saying that your friend is loyal is always lawyer. He loves at all times. He's not talking about times, all times as in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What he's talking about is that a friend, a real friend, is with you through all kinds of times. A real friend is with you when they're experiencing good times and when they're experiencing bad times. But a real friend is also always with you when you're experiencing good times and when you are experiencing bad times. He's always there. There are friends who destroy each other. See, a real friend, a real friend who sticks closer than a brother, a real friend doesn't allow you to be destroyed. A real friend goes with you wherever it is that is in a place where you're about to be destroyed. There's this meme that, that's that's going around, and I see it every once in a while, and I, whenever I read it, I always think that it's great because it says, it, it says something like, um, um, when you're in jail, your friends will always ask if they can help you, but your real friend is sitting next to you, right? And, and I know I didn't get it right, but that's the concept, and that's what he's talking about. See, a, a real friend doesn't call you up and say, hey, is there anything I can do? The real friend is already at your house, the real friend is always there. They always are all around. They never allow you to be destroyed. So a real friend is always there, but a real friend always cares. Always cares. A loud and cheerful greeting early in the morning will be taken as a curse. What does that mean? I lived in Central Florida for quite a while, and I kept my Central Florida area code um, because there were just way, there's still way too many people over there who have my old number, and many of you here who now have my old number. And so to change it to a local number would have been a huge headache. So I kept the, the old number. But because it's a Florida uh, area code, sometimes I will get calls at 4.30 in the morning from people who don't know that I am now in California. And the phone will ring. And they'll be happy and they'll be polite while they're asking me if I'm interested in a free three-day cruise to the Bahamas. <laughs> but they don't know me. So even though they're happy and polite and they give me a loud and cheerful greeting, I take it as a curse. I take it as a curse. Or this one. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon. Now, picture what he's saying. A madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, 
I was only joking. Who does something and says, just kidding. Now, a person who does that, a person who calls another person early in the morning when they're still sleeping and is all cheerful and happier, a person who, who, who plays a trick on somebody, who jokes with them in a way that, that is not taken as a joke, that is somebody who doesn't know you. That's somebody who doesn't, who doesn't know who you are, who doesn't know enough about you, who didn't care enough to invest themselves into trying to see who you are. And so... They play jokes on you, and they talk jokes about you, and, and then they get angry. I've experienced this because some people just don't get my sense of humor. Because I, I don't know, I think I'm funny. But some people don't get it. And I've offended people in my life, people who I care about and who I've become really good friends with. But in the beginning, I offended them because I didn't know them well enough, and they didn't know me well enough to know that I was joking around. Someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. It's as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon. See, when you care about somebody, it's not enough to just say that you care, but it requires that you invest time in them, that you invest time in getting to know who they are, in getting to know what are the things that they like and what are the things that they don't like, to be, to be sensitive to them. Look, look what he says here. He says, singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar on a wound. See, what he's saying is, is that if you can sing a cheerful, happy song around somebody who has a heavy heart, then you don't have an emotional connection with that person. And, and that's the same thing as taking someone's coat in cold weather. And we may not, well, if you've ever been downtown at Christmas time and had to turn your coat over to someone else, then you know what that's like. Or if you've ever poured vinegar on a wound, which no one does anymore, right? But if you've ever had that happen, I mean, that's pain. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you don't have an emotional connection with a person, then when they see you happy, 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 and they're in this bad place, it's painful for them. It's painful for them. There's no emotional connection. And see, the interesting thing about emotional connections is, is that for us, many of us, maybe all of us, there are people in our lives who we have emotional connections to. If you are a parent, you have an emotional connection to your child. You didn't ask for it. You didn't agree to it. It's just something that naturally happens. We naturally have an emotional connection to our children. But in friendship, the emotional connection is given. It's a gift that you deliberately give to somebody else. So a friend is always there. A friend always cares. But a friend always dares. And this is what, I'm, what I mean. He always dares to tell you the truth. Look at what he writes here. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. And, and open rebuke, the word that's not in there, but is part of that, of that word, is it's an open, loving rebuke. 
That's when you have a friend or you're a friend who can tell your friend something that they don't want to hear, but they know, you know that it's important for them to hear it. He writes, wounds from a sincere friend, or when a sincere friend says something to you or tells you something or shares something with you that causes you pain, that it hurts to hear. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. See, this is a metaphor for speaking words that your friend needs to hear, but they're painful for you to say them. And in that phrase where it says hidden love, um, an open rebuke is better than hidden love, that hidden love is talking about a betrayal. It's talking about betraying a friend. And see, this is the thing that we do, and I've done this myself, and maybe you've experienced this, that there's someone in your life, there's a friend in your life, and there's something that they're doing or something that they're involved in or something that they need to know, and we will say this, oh, you know, I love that person too much to tell them what's wrong, or I love that person too much to, to get involved in that situation. But the reality is, is what we're really saying is, I, I love myself too much to have to go in there and do that and then have to deal with the fallout. Because a true friend will go in. If true friend, if you're being destroyed, the true friend is really going to go in there and tell you, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is the thing that you don't see. And if you're worried about having to deal with the conflict, and so you would rather just pretend that everything is okay, you're not a true friend. The great philosopher... Harry Potter, in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, he says this, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends. See, Solomon, Solomon says it like this. Where is that? Nope, it's not there. Um, okay, I forgot when it's Proverbs 29.5, and he says, to flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. And what he's saying is, is that if you don't tell your friends the truth about something in their life, something that they don't see, you are setting them up for disaster just as if you spun them around and pointed them into a minefield and said, go and walk. Because you know what's about to happen and you let them go and do it anyway. Because your friends are making decisions based on who they think they are instead of who you can see that they can't see because they're looking this way and you have the benefit of looking around and looking at them from the outside. They're out of touch with reality and they don't have anybody in their life to tell them the truth. And one of the interesting things about that is this, is that the richer and more powerful you get, the more your friends are going to be like this. The more that you're going to have friends and people that come into your life who are going to tell you how great everything is, but they won't tell you the truth of the things that they see. See, you can care. You can care and, 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 and be there and be that person for them. And you can dare. You can be the person who's going to tell them all the things that they've, they've got wrong in, in their life, but you can't. It's hard to be both, isn't it? Isn't it hard to, to find that balance between the two? And that's why a friend always is always there, a friend always cares, he always dares, but also a friend always bears each other's burdens. 
when, when we're friends, we bear each other's problems. We, we hang in there with each other. Remember in verse 9 where he says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. That, that word counsel doesn't mean advice. That word counsel means secrets. That word counsel means the things that we have hidden. When, it, when it's talking about the heartfelt counsel, it's talking about a friend who you are able to confide in. A friend who you are able to share your secrets with. A friend who knows where all the bodies are buried. A friend who knows where all the skeletons that are in your closet. That's the kind of friend that you need to have. And you have to be able to do both at the same time. See, many of us, we know somebody, we have someone in our life who is very, very willing to come in and tell us everything that we're doing wrong, right? They know everything that's wrong with us and they're willing to come in and, and say, you know, what do you think about this? And they will tell you everything that you're doing wrong. But they will never open up themselves and share with you the things that are going on in their lives. We also know people who will come into our life and they'll just practically barf all over us with all of the problems and, and all of the disasters that are happening in their life. They're happy to do that, but they never, ever, ever care about what's going on in our lives. See, when we bear each other's burdens, when, when, when we come together, when we're really friends, there's, there's a relationship there where you can confide in the person. And the person can confide in you. It doesn't go one way or the other. It goes both ways. And if it's only going one direction or if it's only going the other direction, then that's not a friend. Because real friends do both. Even when it's painful. If you grew up in church, if you grew up reading the Bible, you've, you've heard this verse before. And as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. See, it's not always sweet. Sometimes it's sharp. It's not always yummy and fun. Sometimes it's painful and, and, and it makes a lot of noise and it's something that we don't want to deal with. But friendship has to go both ways. And, and, and he, he, he writes it and he ends it with this. He says, in the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. And I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where what I wanted to hear was the flattery, but what I needed to hear was the honest criticism. A friend is always there. They're available. They're there in good times and bad. A friend always cares. They care enough about you to invest in you. They care enough about you to learn about who you are, and you care about them to do the same. A friend always dares to tell you the truth even when it's something that causes you pain because even if it causes them pain, they know that it's the best thing for them to do. And a friend always bears each other's burdens. We're in it together. When it's good times for you, it's good times for me. When you're going through a tough time, that means I have to go through a tough time too because we're friends. We can sum it all up in this. A friend always lets you in. A friend never lets you down. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. 
Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.